Welcome to the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast. I am your host, Ryan Hartley. This podcast is for heart-centered leaders just like you. I hope our time spent together helps you leave a heart print where those around you are left better than yesterday. These interview sessions are sponsored by our great friends at Elevate Online Marketing. On episode 174, I'm joined by John David and Anna Gabriel Mann, the co-authors of The Go-Giver Marriage. John David is the co-author of the Go-Giver series of books. And if you've been around this podcast a while now, you know that we've been fortunate enough to have his co-author, Bob Berg, join us on two separate occasions. This time, John David is back co-authoring The Go-Giver Marriage with his wife, Anna Gabriel Mann. And it's amazing to hear how they bring the go-giver philosophy, the heart of the go-giver, into personal relationships. It's a great conversation, one that I hope really inspires your relationships. Here we go, episode 174 with John David and Anna Gabriel Mann. John, Anna, welcome to the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast. How are you both? We are excellent. Better than yesterday. So happy to be here. <laughs> Always. Uh, John, I just want to take this opportunity at the very start to um, just do a bit of a personal thank you. I was, my previous life, I spent 12 years in the UK police service and um, I, I was a little bit different. You can probably tell I've got a heart on my logo. I really believe in in love and service and heart-centered leadership and I wasn't seeing that with my eyes and mm. your wonderful book with um, Bob Berg, the go-giver leader spoke of a style of leadership that I just wasn't seeing. And um, just know that your words in that book have really encouraged um, uh, me and, and, and the way that I now are able to show up and help people. So I just wanted to say a huge heartfelt thank you for the words that you've shared. Oh, thank you. Thank you so very much. That was the most personal to me, most personal to me of the Go-Giver books until until this next one. But yes, <laughs> that book has a special place in my heart. So that's really, really lovely to hear. Yeah, I appreciate that. I, I want to start this conversation with something that Dee says in the Go-Giver Marriage. And she says, Mar- marriage can be quite the puzzle. <laughs> <laughs> talk to us. Talk to us about the, the origins of this book and uh, what kind of puzzle we're trying to put together. Sweetheart. Well, you go ahead. (laughs) Well, you you know, I'll just speaking to the origins, just to sort of set the stage. The the original Go Giver came out in 2008. Mm -hmm. The first draft of the original Go Giver, which looked very different, but still was its essence, uh, slipped off my desktop printer in 2005. Mm -hmm. So it's nearly 20 years ago. And when it did, Anna read the first draft and she said, this is great. This is going to be huge. And this would be a great book on marriage because she said the things you're talking about in this book, that describes the way we are. And and that's in a nutshell, you know, our agenda. Ever since then, we wanted to write this book. And it, it was Anna's idea. And it grows out of her career and her love, her calling, her lifelong passion to help support couples, people to, to live richer lives and to see themselves more clearly and out of that to live richer lives. And it also is born of an, an expression to, um, to share you know, what we have. Um, not that we're perfect, but we've, 
been through difficult circumstances in life, been through difficult relationships, and both seem to have arrived at a place where we're just gloriously, crazily happy, and it just gets better. We've been together for 25 years, and um, we we are um, uh, so bold as to think that's not an accident. You know, there's something intentional about how happy we are. So we wanted to share that with the with the world. I love that. And I'll share a story with you. So when I, I mean, growing up, Ryan Hartley was a young kid that needed a lot of love in the world. He, he didn't necessarily hear the words I love you said about him very much as a, as a young boy. And, and uh, so in my relationship with my wife, um, she would say, I love you. And I would say, why tell me tell me three things like and it would be a little running joke because it would be like this I, I would clearly be too needy I'd need to know and it made me laugh hearing um your tips in the in the in the go give a marriage which is about be specific you know be attentive and be specific to the reasons so I went straight into my wife I was like see <laughs> was right all along. <laughs> yeah. I'm not keeping score but yeah 100% um <laughs> Uh, I really like that. I love the fact that you, you you kind of share that story um, in the uh, in the fairy tale, and the and the princess asks, you know, and I and I understand that there's some origins behind that story. I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about that. I think you should tell us, Ricardo. <laughs> the origins behind the princess story. Yeah, when she, when she asks about, tell yeah. me why you love me. Be specific. Give me some examples. I'm not sure the origin, John. I'm I'm not certain what you oh i'll just say um the the so there's for the listeners who don't know this there's the first part of the book is called the parable mm -hmm. and the second part of the book is called the practice and the parable of course is a story it's a story about a young couple set in modern times current times tom and tess um who don't have the worst marriage but they don't but they're struggling they have some struggles in their life that they're that they're dealing with and right in the middle of their story the, Tom is having an uh, interview, job interview of his life. He's having a very, very important job interview. Um, and the interviewer starts kind of out of the blue telling this fairy tale, which leaves Tom completely flummoxed. Of what on earth is going on? Why is he telling me this children's story in the middle of a job interview? But the story, the, the fairy tale is about a young man and a princess. And in, in that story, the um, the young man, the princess say every every day they go off to work separately and then they come back together at night and the young man says, I love you. And the princess says, I love you too. And then they have dinner and they and they just are in, in love and have a wonderful, wonderful life. And one day he comes home from work and he says, I love you. And she says, you do? He says, well, yeah, of course. She says, well, why? <laughs> and he says, well, you know, she said, how? Tell me specifically. And she says, I love you more than all, you know, than all the stars there are in the sky. But she wants specific. She says, I need specifics here. Tell me exactly. And the young man and the princess story is, is kind of my Neil Gaiman rendering of the story of Anna and me. <laughs> um, and so she's the princess and I'm the young man. And um, <laughs> one one thing we've learned together is one thing I learned from her is the power of voicing appreciation very specifically. Mm. And she'll tell me she'll tell me things like, "I just want to tell you, thank you so much for taking out the trash. You mm. do it all the time, and I just it really I, I don't have to do it because you do it, and it's 
and I really appreciate it. And the first, at first, when she would do this, I would think, you know, why is she thanking me for taking out the trash? It's like it's not a big thing. But I gradually realized that the little things are the big things. Mm. That, that appreciation is always about little things. It's always about specific things. It's always to the moment, to the time, to the here and now. And when you put your finger on it, it means that you're really noticing the things about the other person. It means that you care about them. It means they're meaningful. They're not some broad, grandiose statement like, I love you like <laughs> the ends of the earth. Mm. Well, that's lovely, but what does that mean exactly? Hey, my friends, thank you for being with us so far. I really hope that you're enjoying the conversation. I wanted to take a quick moment to let you know that our brand new website is live. Please do visit abty.co.uk. I hope that it enables you to connect with us at a heart level and to explore our heart work and how we may serve you, your team and your organization that little bit better through our coaching, our consulting and our speaking. It also gives you the opportunity to come and join one of our greenhouses and see some examples of our heart print. It's abty.co.uk. Other great things on there, some free resources. There are uh, access to your life languages profile that you can take for free, as well as our merchandise store. abty.co.uk. And here we go. Back to the conversation. Mm, I love that. And, you know, I think, for the for the listeners to be able to get a, a deeper connection with with kind of my story is that you know one of the the, the amazing things that happened during um, the pandemic is for my birthday my wife bought me a blueberry tree a blueberry bush and on it she put 10 little cardboard love hearts with different reasons why she loved me and oh. like yeah honestly it was it was so powerful and such a testament to like the transformational journey that we'd been on because only kind of 18 months beforehand um we were i I was seeing elements of the uh the tom and tess story around kind of the resentment the scorekeeping and 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 how if you're not growing together you're kind of growing apart and there was there was a moment in our journey where um things were bad and my wife found God she found um Christianity faith and and I was a man of science at this point and uh, she's like I found God I'm starting to feel differently uh, you need to find him too and I was like not a chance I was like <laughs> I was like who's invited this guy into our relationship and like you know, God's obviously got a sense of humor you know within short six short months I'm opening myself up to to faith and accepting Jesus's my king and um and an incredible kind of transformations have happened and i'm I'm grateful that we did that before the pandemic because if we had (laughs) we'd have killed each other otherwise (laughs) like if we hadn't had that restoration and i I guess the point i want to draw to is i really hold this firm belief that one plus one equals three that when we choose to partner together something new gets created in the world and i love the way that that you describe that is that when one plus one comes together where you create us. Exactly. Yeah. And that, and that third entity, you are either feeding it or you are starving it at all times by your behavior and your actions and the energy that you bring to the relationship. I mean, it's, it's such a powerful thing. People really don't understand that the relationship itself is, is its own entity. Mm-hmm. It is something that you've created together and it's something that you need to nourish together. Mm. Yeah, 
I also love that you said that because I, I, it sounds so simple, like one plus one equals more than two. Well, that's you know, the kind of statement that anybody could say, well, yeah, sure, I, I get that. But hang on, because really a lot of people, they don't say it this way perhaps, but a lot of people in marriages come into over time this sort of tired sense that one plus one equals something less than two. Like here I am living my life and now because I'm married, my life, yeah, there's compromise. Mm. I have to I have to make compromises because she doesn't like all the same things I like, and I can't do everything I want to do because I have to consider her. And so now, my life has become a limited version of what it could be. And so one plus one now equals less than two because it's because marriage is a limitation. Marriage mm. is a compromise, and we see it the opposite. Mm. It's it's the opposite of that, which is one plus one means. Through my marriage, in my marriage, I have the opportunity to become a bigger person than I could ever have been on my own. So I'm not just one me, I'm a bigger one. And she's a bigger one. When you, when you make an us, it is three. It is bigger than two because we, we are, our us is a bigger entity than the sum of the two of us. It's something larger. And that's just, that's thrilling to discover. And I think that everybody who's who's genuinely happier than marriage has has found that whether they put that name on it or not. I think the commercial world's got a lot to answer for because I think it's really <laughs> taken this sentiment of love from a way it, what it truly is. You know, this idea that love you 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 complete me. It's just so disparaging. <laughs> isn't it? it really takes away from the essence of what you've just said. Exactly, we're two individuals. I mean, that's the piece about coming together. It's two individuals who come together and form this third entity, the us. And yet you still remain your, your separate selves with your own you know, likes and dislikes. And you are your own unique person with your own unique way of expressing yourself in the world. And that all of that needs to be honored by the us. Mm. And, and I think that the thing that the commercial world really misses is that love is a verb, right? And I know that you talk about that within your book. Yes, love is not only a verb, but, you know, in the world of therapy, which is where I've resided for a long time, you know, there's, there's, there's talking therapy where the goal is insight and understanding. Mm -hmm. And that's lovely. But what we know in marriages and it's been backed by you know, over 40 years of research in marriage, is that it's behavior. It's mm -hmm. cognitive and behavioral, that when you make the changes in your mind and you make the changes in your behavior, that's when couples will find new memories, they'll create new memories, they'll create new ways of relating to each other. Mm -hmm. And a reciprocal kind of kindness starts to emerge. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's so important that the tone of the marriage can shift. Mm -hmm. And when you start practicing the secrets, you see that the way you're bringing yourself to the relationship has shifted. And therefore, the us is starting to feel that, you know, the yeah. other person is saying, well, this is feeling good. You know, mm. if you've been someone who's been accustomed to criticizing a lot, you know, and suddenly you're appreciating your partner, you know, they, they will, you know, be like, okay, what's going on here? <laughs> because yeah. 
it's not the same tone. And yet your brain has a neurological loop and you can buy into one or the other. You can buy into the critical track where you're always looking at your partner and saying, why did he leave his socks on the floor again? And why can't he wash his teacup after he drinks his tea? Why does it live on the side of the counter waiting for me? You know, you can think in that negative, critical way, or you can think in the really positive way of like, wow, I so appreciate he drove the kids to school today because I didn't have to. And I could have an extra 30 minutes to just sit on the patio with a cup of tea and figure out my morning, maybe space out on social media, whatever. You know, it was just a break. And if you look at it as a gift that he he gave you, then it's a whole has a whole new meaning. Um, because you know, everybody gets in their roles often in marriages. And you know, those roles can be really difficult. So it's it's often really important to break out of the roles and for everybody to share the burden of taking care of a house, taking care of children, taking care of life. Something to it, you know, everything Anna's describing, this this business of behaviors and how behaviors can shift the tone of your marriage and what you bring to the marriage and how you, you know, what you put in. These are all things you do. Mm. They're all things you do. They're not things that happen to you. And, you know, there's a line in the original Go-Giver where Pindar says to Joe, I think, you, in fact, Joe, you'd be surprised how much, um, how much what happens, how much you have to do with what happens to you. And he's really shifting Joe's mindset from being the effect of things to being the cause of things, to being at cause, to being taking responsibility for his life. And that's a big theme in, in our work and in Anna's work. It, it's you said, Ryan, you know, that you love this love as a verb thing. And I think it's so important because many of us, you know, we have these expressions that are that are passive. I fell in love. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like there's an American country song that the, the title of which is I fell in a pile of you and got love all over me. <laughs> well, that's how that's how people imagine love is like it just it fell yeah. out of the sky and draped me with it. Well, yeah. it feels like that when you first fall in love. It feels like a cloudburst. It feels like something that, that God just, you know, sent down from on high. And it is that. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't stay like that to make to build the love. It's not something that just. It just is going to come out of the sky every day. It's already come out of the sky and now it's on you. And now it's your job. Now it's your responsibility. And now what you do is you build it. You nourish it. Build is maybe the wrong word. It's more like you water it. You mm. nourish it. You feed it. It's a living organism. And so and it, it's, it, it's, I'm just saying it's a verb. It's a thing you actually do every day. Yeah. And it's not an accident that this tree is in our background. The yeah. tree is in the book. Yeah. And you know, when you plant a new tree, say you've decided to put a peach tree in your yard, Mm -hmm. it's really important to feed the soil. It's really important to water it while its roots are getting established. And that's one of the real secrets to a marriage is that it's that constant feeding and nourishing of the marriage itself. Mm -hmm. And that includes nourishing the other person. And what I love to add to this, Ryan, is that you know, every one of us is still a very vulnerable child inside. Mm -hmm. Most of us did not get our needs met in our childhood. Mm -hmm. Many of us had horrific situations happen during our childhood. And all of that emotional baggage that we 
that was there when we were very young gets carried all the way through adolescence and into adulthood. And then when we arrive into a relationship, these suitcases of emotional mm. baggage start <laughs> magically unpacking. Mm. And that's not an accident. Your mm. unconscious has drawn you to this person specifically so that you can figure out, mm. you know, all of these early wounds. You know, wow. the minute you're in a close relationship, all of the things that you experienced in close relationships in your childhood will start to emerge. Mm -hmm. and, and that's, you know, it, it's so powerful if you can unwrap it and not blame the other person yeah. and not acquire the behaviors. Like maybe you had a really critical father who never, you could never do anything right for. Well, you can grow up and you can either marry someone who's critical or you can be the someone who's critical. Hmm. And you know, we always carry these behaviors forward. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's important to, to wake up to that and also to stay aware of your emotions. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I often tell my clients, when you're feeling like you want to burst, just breathe for two minutes and don't say a word. Mm -hmm. Because if you can get aware of your emotions and get some control over them, then you're not going to start that rapid fire conversation that turns into a major fight yeah i love that and, and just on the theme of criticism i often you know my wife's distress flare now i know it is that is is one of criticism and which is fair you know because i can be quite messy to live with <laughs> but when <laughs> she would she would and i would describe that criticism as having like an enemy behind the lines it's almost like you can't even be safe in your own home yes and, yes um, and, and it's not until we really started, you know, to to really just connect to this essence of we're human beings with unmet needs and therefore we'll show behaviors that are probably not conducive that that we really start to, when we understand the roots of that and where it comes from, this great thing happens, which is called grace, which is something my, yes. I'm I'm grateful that we have in our marriage now which we probably didn't and especially when life and, and children and work happens like grace is so important and i think that's what you capture in the essence of your your secret allow that is exactly in fact that's so interesting i don't think the word grace appears in the book anywhere i don't think gracious i think probably does but but frequently when we're talking about it we'll use that word we'll say the third secret allow it really at its essence, it's it's giving your partner grace. It's having, yeah. like we call, you know, a grace period, right? You get a bill and you have to pay it, but they give you a grace period of 10 days. <laughs> well, that's kind of what allow is. Give your spouse a little bit of extra time, a little extra support, a little yeah. extra benefit of the doubt, um, a little extra space sometimes, because none of us is perfect and we don't express ourselves perfectly, mm. um, which is, you know, in part because we're human beings. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> our parents, for example, you know, as honest as talking about our childhoods, even the best of parents, they're imperfect beings. They can't get it perfectly right, mm. despite their best intentions. And they did the best they could with what they had. But, right. you know, none of us escapes childhood without these patterns of dysfunction that Anna talks about yeah. that, that often stay buried until we're in an intimate relationship that provides a space safe enough for those suitcases to start doing their terrifying, you know, unlatching and opening mm -hmm. by themselves. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
it's really interesting like uh, so the the only like yesterday so my wife and i we joined we've been journeying in this this the more we've learned about ourselves, the more we're able to articulate. Because I think you just said the word expression. And I think the really hard thing that we will struggle with as human beings is to articulate that which transcends understanding. We're talking about love, you yeah. know, and, and, and you know, she, my wife yesterday, in a, in a humorous kind of embrace, she grabbed my cheeks and said, she said, you know, I'm never going to abandon you. She's like, wherever you go, I'll find you. And obviously she's like having this humorous conversation, knowing that my vulnerability is one of people in my life abandon. And it's just, honestly, it's just such a, oh. a trans, you know, that, that, that understanding between two human beings, that their deepest flaws and insecurities and knowing that there is a safety in that, I think, it's, it's, it's the essence of of a purpose of a marriage i say but you you go one step further in the book and you do de, you define the the purpose of a marriage is that right yeah yeah there's there's this um there's this question posed at the very end of chapter one this, yeah. the, the interviewer says that you know so tell me tom what is the purpose of marriage and and when tom sets about to answer that or try to he flounders he, he never thought about it before yeah so it's uh, purpose right? of marriage. <laughs> yeah, purpose of marriage. It's a companionship. Uh, you know, two two heads is better than one. You know, yeah. he tries very healthy children. Yes, raise healthy children, give our children a good life, and these are all good things. By the way, they're all wonderful goals and and reasons to be together. But they're not. He says beyond that, what's the purpose? What's the purpose of life? And you know, and the way I, I won't give the exact wording of the book, but basically the purpose of the way we describe it in the book is, is to invest yourself in another person mm. fully and totally, not as a 50, 50 thing. I scratch your back, you'll scratch mine. Well, you know, three and a half nights, three and a half nights of dishes. Each of us gets, you know, equal share. Here's your checkbook. Here's my checkbook. Not that, but fully invested. All my money is your money, right? All your chores are my chores. All your burdens are my burdens fully invest yourself in the other person. And as a result, you become your biggest self. You discover your biggest life. You come into the fullest expression of who you are. It's again, it's the opposite of a compromise. It's, it's a leapfrogging of possibilities where suddenly you, you enter into possibilities that, would, that were not open to you before. Um, so that's, that's really, to me, the ultimate purpose of marriage is it's a fuller expression of yourself. Mm. It only comes with giving yourself, giving yourself away. Mm. I love it's that. something, it's something like what a parent does with a child. You know, when, yeah. uh, when a, uh, a mother lion, mother tiger will do anything, a mother human <laughs> will do anything mm. for their child. Um, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a growing into a bigger purpose. My wife and I went on holiday a couple of weeks ago and um, every night we'd sit and we had this Netflix binge. We don't normally sit and watch Netflix, but we watched this series on Netflix called Love is Blind. <clears throat> and um, I think it's terrible. I, I don't believe that love is blind. I, I think I think love sees all. And I, and I know that you have this wonderful phrase that love has the eyes of an eagle. I absolutely love that description. Do you mind exploring that with us? Absolutely. Yeah. Love has the eyes of an eagle because really when you love somebody you understand their soft underbelly if you will you know mm -hmm. you you get to know all parts of them and so you know their vulnerabilities mm -hmm. you know the things that 
that they struggle with. And, and even if you think you don't, and they're very defended, you know, something's wrong. Mm. And um, so, you know, it's not, love isn't just blind, like you just decide, you know, oh, I don't see that part of him or her. Um, You see it all. And the truth is that, you know, the question is, will you be compassionate with it all? Will you be kind with it? Will you be, um, you know, will you allow grace? Mm. And, and also, will you allow growing? I mean, growing is, is also really important for each individual in a marriage. I mean, it's not something that, we, it's like air. We can't live without the ability to keep growing in our lives. And just because we get into a marriage doesn't mean that we should be looking to the marriage to get all our needs met. And I think a lot of times people will do that. They yeah. will get into the marriage and say, okay, now I'm safe. Now I'm, I'm here in this couple and I can just relax. And what relax means is fall into all their bad behaviors, <clears throat> feeling like they've, they've got a safe haven. If you want a safe haven, you need to create a safe haven. And part mm. of creating a safe haven is being a safe person for your partner because they, they need that security wow. that you know their vulnerabilities, but you're not going to exploit them. Yeah, I love that. Last year for Lent, uh, no, just before Christmas, I, I decided to fast for three days. Thought I'd do a 72-hour fast just, just to test the capabilities of my spirit. And um, <laughs> the further I got into that fast, the more I had to fight the forces of focusing on myself. I'm, I'm, I'm a feeder. I'm, I'm the one that often like cooks and gets the food <laughs> for the family. And, and I found that really hard to do whilst I hadn't had what I needed. You know, I hadn't eaten for nearly 72 hours. The overriding urge to put myself before them, I had to fight it. And, and, um, and I think that's kind of like links a little bit to what you say about how do we, how do we come to the marriage needing nothing and therefore we become the gift and, and I really like that your your fifth secret is is not focused on them, but instead focusing on us. Like, what are some of the ways that uh, that is not necessarily men, but anybody in a in a relationship that that can learn to lead themselves to a point where they can serve and sacrifice for for the us. I think, shall I yeah. say something? Yeah, <laughs> the, go uh, for it. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned men, and I, I think one thing that, that, you know, we often speak in this, in the secret of grow, and the, in every go-giver book, the fifth secret is always seemingly paradoxical or contradictory to the other four, yeah. um, like, a th- like a thumb. So the first four are about being generous with your spouse. The fifth, as you say, is about being generous with yourself. And we often talk about things like taking care of your health and taking care of your needs and, and, and also growing yourself yeah. in your interests, in your aspirations, and in yeah. your pursuits. And these are all really, really critical and important avenues of, of, of growth because yeah. you, you need to grow yourself not only for your own sake, but also for, to bring a more the fully realized person to the marriage. But there's another part of growth, of grow, which I think is really key and maybe more so for men, particularly than women, I don't know. But, and that is to, to 
to take the time and sort of psychic time or mental time, emotional time to, uh, to investigate the interior landscape, hmm. you know, to start to, to, to examine or reflect on my childhood, the, th- mm. the things that have happened to us growing up, how, how we arrived at, at adulthood or, or adolescence and then adulthood. Um, often we just, in the course of our adult lives, we just kind of buck up and buckle down and we have responsibilities and, and you know, we may be also cooking for the family and we're taking care of the family. We're, we have a job, we're, we're raising, we're developing ourselves in the world professionally. We have so many things that we take on as our tasks, like knights in armor. And so the armor often becomes, we don't take the time to look, look within yeah. and investigate our own vulnerabilities and our own sensitivities and our own uh, injuries, our own mm. wounds. Mm. And you know the, the soft spaces that Anna talks about. Of course, marriage is lovely for that because a partner can frequently see you better than you see yourself. So your, your spouse can, can be your guide to in this tour, mm-hmm. um, in, in this exploration, uh, can be your Sherpa mm-hmm. on this expedition into your interior landscape. But I think that's part of GROW. But that's also conditional on whether or not you are open to following. And there's a great deal of marriage research that's, yeah. that shows that men who can take direction from women mm. are much more successful in their mm. marriages. Mm. And men who are not open to direction from women often fail at marriage and mm. or have unhappy marriages. And 75% of the people that are married actually cite that they're not happily married. Mm-hmm. And across the board, know, yeah. Here wow. in the United States, divorce is at 50%. So it's, mm. um, and that's regardless of fate. You know, I mean, it, it, you know, it used to be a shame if in the, in the faith-based community, if you got divorced, you were almost shunned. Um, but that's no longer true because everybody knows somebody who's on their second or even their third marriage. Yeah. Um, and I think that people don't self-examine. So grow is, grow is not only an opportunity to self-examine. It could be, you know, one of the ways you grow might be to get into therapy or coaching. One of the ways that you grow might be to not necessarily seek a new career, but to take on an avocation that you love. Maybe you're into birding or or you become a master gardener, you take up painting or photography, um, some interest that really is powerful for you, um, that keeps you intrigued. Maybe you love to read nonfiction books and gain information that helps you to learn new things. It's that curiosity, that ability to to remain a constant learner that really allows you to have something to bring back to the marriage and to feed the us. Because if you don't grow yourself, you're stagnating. And what happens is people wake up 25 or 30 years into the marriage and they're both sitting in their easy chairs watching TV and they have nothing to say to each other. The TV is the conversation. Yeah. Um, and that's a sad moment, you know? And I think a lot of people miss the intimacy of not just sex, but the intimacy of really, really close conversations where you're getting yeah. down to some really deep stuff. 
um, even to come home from work and really go into an in-depth conversation about how your boss makes you feel and what it reminds you of from your childhood. Yeah. You know, this guy makes me feel just like I'm standing in front of my father when I was six years old. And I just feel so intimidated. And I, I, I lose my ability to speak and say anything back because I'm sort of arrested. Um, mm. Those kinds of conversations when somebody's really open to listening yep. can be such a salve in, in the midst of, mm. of, you know, pain that's real. And we yeah. all have pain. Yeah. This is the thing about life. It's very painful. There's pain for everybody. I mean, talk to any woman who's had a miscarriage. Yes. You know, couples will often divide over this issue because one of them is still in serious grief three months mm -hmm. later. And the other one is saying, hey, let's get going. Let's try again. Yeah. And it's not that she doesn't want to try again, but she hasn't processed what's happened. It's really interesting you say that the thing that was coming up for me uh, just a minute ago was this idea that some of the objections within marriage is that the woman uh, wants to just express to be seen and to be heard and and, and the, the stereotypical man just wants to fix things and uh, one of the one-liners from the go-giver leader that i absolutely loved was that the leader is the caretaker of the intangibles is one of my favorite lines and um you know and, and i guess that that's that's something that i i encourage all men to it's not we call it soft skills uh, it's, it's anything but soft it is yes. it can be some of the hardest yes. things and the most scariest things to embrace but yes. I'd, love to, I'd love to hear about some of the the intangibles within uh within a marriage yeah oh i i love talking about the intangibles because one of them is simply listening and the thing is, is that men really do want to rush in and fix, yeah. you know, you come home from work and, and, you know, they have all kinds of ideas for what you should do. And, and really what you need is to just be heard. You need them to listen. You don't need them to fix it. Often women have said to me in coaching and counseling that they don't want him to fix it. They just want him to hear them and listen to them. And the thing that's important in that moment is that when you really fully witness another person, that's a huge gift. It's, it's a huge gift. And it is a skill to develop because I think that often in conversations, and it doesn't even matter if it's at work or in your marriage, we are thinking about what we're going to say next while the person is talking. And so in essence, we've, we've completely missed the opportunity to hear them. Mm. Yeah. I just want to say, in, interpolate that there's a, there's a, an interesting dynamic in that scenario you cite where the, the woman is expressing something, man just wants to fix it. You know, there's so much illumination around marriage when you when you look at it from the point of view of feeding the us or starving the us, because when you when you are feeding yeah. the us, it's when you're on on the same team. It, there's a there's a line in the book about you know uh, are you on the same team being on the same team when 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 the uh, when the arrows start flying when you circle your wagons do you shoot inwards or shoot outwards yeah and and a big part a big part of what's going on in the dynamics of a marriage are whether we are at this moment on the same team or in opposite corners of the room so when it, it, my wife comes to me I don't mean Anna I'm speaking figuratively so so your spouse comes to you and has an issue has a problem is, is talking about something that happened that made her feel terrible and now i try to rush in and fix it what i am saying in my mind is you know 
there's a problem. She's suffering and I want to make it better. Mm -hmm. But what it easily comes across as is Mm -hmm. you're a problem. I want to fix it. So I'll stop having a problem in my life. And the experience of it is we're on opposite sides of the, of the table here. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I, don't, I want your problem to go away. So I'm going to just tell you to put a Band-Aid on it or to take this aspirin or to tell that person what to say or to, you know, when, I got a solution. So my problem will go away. When you listen, you're getting on the same side of the table. When you're empathetic, you're on the same side of the table. What you're doing is you're getting on the same team. And getting on the same team is far more important than actually vanquishing the dragon in front of us. Um, Because once you're on the same team, Mm. you can vanquish any dragon. I mean, Mm. there's almost nothing that can stop you. But when when you're not on the same team, when the dragon is on the table in between the two of you and you're shooting from opposite directions, Mm. my metaphors are going all over the place here, by the way, but I'm (laughs) I'm just going to keep plowing on anyway. I'll go with it. I'm going to keep plowing. You stay with me. When you're on opposite sides of the table, then it's almost impossible to actually slay that dragon, vanquish that problem, come to a solution. The, the teamness of it, the usness of it, is the critical ingredient of the dilemma. Um, once that's there, there's another line in the book about when you're on the same team, there's there's like nothing that life can throw at you that you can't handle. Yeah, um, and I think it's so so important to remember. Are you um, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, and I, I love to share this story because um, John and I have a joke in our marriage that the most important thing for a husband to do when his wife's on a rant is to say nothing. And about every two minutes while she's ranting, just step in and say, the bastards. Yeah. And, then, <laughs> and then sit back in your chair and keep listening as she yeah, keeps yeah, ranting. Yeah, yeah. Because usually she's she's <laughs> ranting about something that happened at the school with the children, or she's ranting about something that happened at work, or she's ranting about some situation outside of the marriage. Yeah, and customer service agent. Real, yeah, she just really wants you to hear her. But it's a way of commiserating. I mean, it's a joke between us. I mean, yeah, but yeah. we share it with people because it's actually a really effective tool if you can sit there for two or three minutes and listen and then say something that is in solidarity, say, Mm. oh, that must have been hard, Mm. or, oh, wow, what a day you've had, you know, because then you are just listening, and what you're saying is simply empathic, and compassionate. I think what it all comes down to in in the book as well is that great teams, great uses don't happen by accident. They take work and they take effort. And yes. and yes. and I love I love the one liner. It says, "Be so attentive, it's criminal." And I just think you know Jackson. sometimes, yeah. yeah, I just think sometimes you say that you know these things they take um, practice, it's like a muscle that needs practicing. And I, and I, I recall one of the, uh, one of the examples about, oh, he makes a great lasagna. Yeah. I thought that that was quite humorous, but I understand that that's based on a, on a real person, real story. Is that, is that true? That is a real client. And, um, <laughs> all my clients that allowed me to put stories in the book without their names, yeah. people that, you know, I had real conversations with them about it and said, are you sure you're okay with this? You know, <laughs> no one will ever know it's you. But that was a real client who was so angry at her husband. She had so much going on that when I asked her, well, what is it that you love about him? And and what is it that he's really good at that you really appreciate? 
<laughs> and she, that's all she could come up with. Well, he makes a wicked lasagna. And, um, and another story in the book that came directly from our lives is that, you know, John and I spent 10 years dating. Mm -hmm. And it was because my daughter was only 10 years old and there was no way I was going to allow a man in. Hmm. We've both been a prior us, marriage. Yeah, yeah mm -hmm. without us being married. And so I wanted to make certain that, you know, she was secure. So, um, yeah, so, so, you know, we, we, we took our time and, and it was, you know, it was very important. To, and the story, story about what you said to you. Oh, Bo, yes, Bo. What Bo yeah. said was, um, you should marry because Jackson, Jackson yeah. because, because he liked, you know, you like him and you and he, he makes knew you that happy. you liked silver yeah yes and he, he knew, knew you that liked, you liked silver those stories are directly <laughs> from our lives um my daughter actually sat down on my bed when she was maybe 15 14 or 15 mm -hmm. and said mom you need to marry john he's just so wonderful and he loves you and he makes you so happy you're happy with john you know, it was the sweetest moment because it just came out of nowhere. Wasn't expecting the conversation. Well, there's vulnerability to embrace there, isn't it? Like you said, you'd been there, you'd married before. It's what does this mean? And there's some vulnerabilities to embrace. I'll tell you, totally. at, the, at that point in our lives, I was a, you know, a fairly sophisticated adult gentleman. I had seen many things <laughs> in life. I certainly had you know, I wrote a I book or two. <laughs> yes, I'd written a book or two. Actually, I hadn't written a book or two yet at that point. I'd written no books, but but that was still ahead of me. But I I, I had what I considered a fairly uh, extensive knowledge of all kinds of things in the world, but I didn't have that extensive an understanding of my own internal landscape as I was describing, mm. in 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 some senses. And when Anna said, "I think we should wait to get married. I think we should wait. We both need a little time." which I resisted and fought with every fiber in my being, <laughs> but we did anyway. And over the next few years, I came to, to understand, to realize that I had real doubts about my own abilities in a relationship because I'd failed. You know, I'd been in a marriage that I'd gone, but now I, and I wasn't sure what had gone wrong. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Never really had figured that out. And I wasn't sure if the problem, you know, was something endemic to, to my nature. I mean, I, I had some some sort of self-figuring out to do. So it was it was really good that we took that time. Mm, I love that. I, I think one of the lines that I really want our audience to, to really hear and to, and to kind of meet where it is, is this idea that um, familiarity doesn't have to breed contempt. And Anna, I think yes. I've heard you describe this really nicely. And Let's help shape and focus our, our audience, their hearts and their minds. Why does familiarity not have to breed contempt? Because contempt is an assassination of the other person. Hmm. When you hold somebody in contempt, you aren't just criticizing them. You're demeaning their very person. And intimacy is really meant to be the idyllic situation, and I, and I don't mean to make it sound, you know, la-la, <laughs> but the situation where you can have true companionship with a person who sees you, gets you, understands you, mm -hmm. and appreciates you. 
I mean, the first secret of the book is to appreciate mm. its polar opposite is to criticize. And mm. when you appreciate somebody with regularity and you're specific about it, yeah. it, it not only becomes a safe haven and that by the way, worldwide, the number one thing that men cite they want is a safe haven. They want a relationship where they can feel safe and received. Mm. And I think women, that's a given. I think it's what women have wanted all along. Um, but it's, it's, you know, it's, I think women choose dependency. They choose to sit in the back seat. They choose a lot of things that aren't necessarily taking care of themselves in order to create that sense of security. But I think that when you're in, in, in an intimate relationship that really has all the facets of closeness and vulnerability and the ability to, to talk honestly, and there's you've dropped criticism, contempt is not even on the table. Um, there's a great allowance, if you will, for um, one's foibles, you know, Maybe you do leave your teacup on the counter. Um, is it something you want to raise every day and get critical about? Is it something that you want to be in the center of the argument of the marriage? Um, choose your battles. Mm. And, um, you know, there's a phrase that people often say, a happy wife is a happy life. I think that it goes both ways. A happy husband is a happy life. It just doesn't and rhyme. <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't but the, it doesn't reason I, the reason I say it so strongly is that men who feel appreciated and loved mm. will go to the end of the earth for their woman. Mm. I mean, they will. And it's, it's such a powerful thing to understand is that it only takes minutes a day to adopt a spirit of generosity yeah. and to find ways to give to your spouse that yeah. feed and nourish them as a person. I'm not talking about just bringing them a cup of coffee across the room. I'm talking about things that nourish their person. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's such a strong point. Go ahead, John. I think also this thing with familiarity, what familiarity breeds has a lot to do with where you put your focus. Yeah. Which is really what, you know, part of what Anna is saying. You can put your focus, your, your, your attention is like a flashlight you know, and, and the world is like a, like a dark room. Where you shine your flashlight is what you see. So you can put your focus on faults, issues, you know, things that, that irritate you that, you, that you choose to be irritated by, really. They don't irritate you. It's you doing the, doing the irritation. You can, you can keep score, do the scorekeeper thing and focus on the criticism, or you can move your flashlight over here and focus on finding things to appreciate. Where you put your focus is going to determine what grows in your attention. Mm -hmm. So familiarity can breed contempt. It often does happen. Mm -hmm. But depending on your focus, familiarity breeds compassion. And I prefer familiarity breeds compassion mm -hmm. because the more you learn about your sp spouse, yeah. the more you see them, the more you understand them, the more you go, oh, look what she's doing. And I just love that. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's. It's, you know, a, we call it a spirit of generosity. We also, there's a line in the book that says, when in doubt, be kind. Yeah. It's when you just make a decision to approach your, your partnership with, with the spirit of kindness, then familiarity breeds compassion. Yeah. 
I love that. My wife and I have been together since we were 15. So this year we will have been together 20 years. And um, wow. the, I've lived both sides of that. We've, we've brewed the, the contempt and the resentment. And, and then in the last three years, um, we have found that uh, spirit of generosity and compassion and grace. Mm. And, and I know which one I prefer and I know the, which one that we are better for. But I'd love to know kind of what does always better than yesterday mean in the context of the go-giver marriage? I'm just going to jump in and say there's a line in the book that says every individual is an undiscovered continent. And I think that's so important because it isn't just divorces that we that we talk about. It's also those marriages that go a certain point and then just become kind of preserved in, in, uh, in uh, you know, wax for the rest of their lives. As Anna says, sitting, two people sitting on a couch, the TV is the conversation. Mm. Um, that's such a tragedy mm-hmm. because there's so much more to find in the other person. Every individual is an unexplored consonant. And, and, and with all the depth and breadth of that, there's, it's huge. So there's so much more to discover. Um, every day better than yesterday can go for 50, 60, 70 years. It can go on for decades and decades and decades. And I, I say that in part as a way to, to give people hope. You know, marriages can be not just take a, a wounded marriage back to ground zero where you were when you got together, but into the plus and plus and plus and plus. It really does. We're, we're happier. We say this to each other all the time. I love you more now than I did like last year. <laughs> and last year was pretty good. Yeah. But that's our experience of it. It just gets better every year. It's like a line you say in the book, the more I know, the more I learn there is to know. Yes, yes, exactly. I love that. Where can people find the Go Give a Marriage? We have a website, which is gogivermarriage.com. No hyphens, no breaks, just gogivermarriage.com. The book is there. We do a, um, you can order the book there uh, on either side of the pond. We got links for everywhere. Um, but of course, it's on Amazon UK, Amazon US. It's, uh, it's everywhere. Um, also, we have some, if you order the book through the site, we have some freebies. There's a tremendous storm outside right now, and it might cut yeah. off electricity any moment. If we, van- thunder, but... <laughs> if we vanish, it'll be because That's they're why I'm sitting in the dark. <laughs> you have everything that you need to survive the storm. I've read your book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There you go. So I, I appreciate that. The storm, storm is nothing. Um, and on the site, we also have a workshop that we do called Living the Five Secrets to Lasting Love. And that is a two and a half hour Zoom workshop. We do live with people. It's very interactive. We do that mm-hmm. currently once a month. Uh, we may need to step up that schedule, but it's once a month for now. You can book that right through the site. Mm. And also we have um, all the podcasts like this that we've been on. We have them all live links to all of them on our on our site. So it's kind of the whole Go-Giver Marriage universe is there on our website. Also and you can coaching. contact us. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, please. Um, my coaching yes. schedule is, is, is available through the website as well. So if people want to coach, and I do coach people from Europe and from Great Britain, as well as in the United States. So it is, um, that's there and you can pick a slot and grab it. Um, you know, so we have lots of, of uh, other kinds of workshops that we're developing and the coaching program we're very excited about because we want to train 
go-giver marriage coaches around the world, people who will do the work with others. Yeah, you know, Ryan, I've published over 30 books, but this is the first book we've done together. Mm-hmm. And it's also the first book that I've been part of that is just, just the beginning rather than usually a, publishing a book is usually an end point. But for us, mm-hmm. it's just the beginning. It's, it's really a calling, as I said earlier. And so we will be developing programs around the content and, and, the, and the work and the ideas of the book, you know, ongoingly, year, year by year. I love that. I um, I truly believe that heart-centered living leaves a heart print. It leaves a trace in the lives of those that we interact with and that we yeah. impact. And you've already seen what's happened with the Go-Giver series. And, and just to think of the transformation that this book's going to enable. Like My wife and I managed to survive without this book. But if we'd read something like this before our struggles and challenges, maybe we'd have embraced conversations that have made that less painful and uh, mm-hmm. And, and, and I hope that it falls into the right hands of those that need it. And if there are people, or there will be people that are inevitably listening to this that will, that will go and listen and there'll be something in that, in, within that that gives them hope for a better future. Mm. Yes, from your words, from your lips rather. <laughs> I, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for joining us. I'd really appreciate hearing a final thought from your good selves. Yeah, I I think that um, marriages were meant to be living entities that grow Mm. and that you were meant to be not only embraced, but to grow within them. And so there is no wound too deep that can't heal. There is no pattern of behavior that can't shift. And to remember that your mind is a spotlight and that what you think about expands. Mm. And so how you think about your marriage and how you embrace it will have a great deal of impact on, on it. Yeah, I would just add to that. Love is not an accident and happiness is not an accident. Mm, I love that. Thank you so much for your words. Thank you so much for your time. Really, really appreciate you both. Thank you so much, Ryan. Hey, my friends, thank you for making it to the end. I hope that our time spent together today has left you a little bit better than before you push play. I'd really appreciate if you just took a moment to leave a review to allow me to meet more people where they are and hopefully leave them a little bit better too. If you're curious to know how I, through Always Better Than Yesterday, can serve you, your team, your organisation, then head to alwaysbetterthanyesterday.com to connect. And while you're there, let me know one or two things that you're going to do as a result of listening to this conversation. I absolutely love hearing your thoughts, your reflections, and the things that this spark in your own heart and mind. If you want more insights from my heart and mind, I do send out short episodes on a Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. And again, I hope that they serve you well. I appreciate you listening. I'm Ryan Hartley, host of the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast, a podcast for heart-centered leaders just like you. Keep leading, my friends. Always love.